Hey, Sam. <laughs> hey, Laura. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, really well, thank you. How is it? How's the weather over there? And in, in, you guys are in Byron Bay, aren't you? Yeah, we are. It's, we're so lucky at the moment, Cora. It's been kind of mid-20s and sunny. I mean, it's been really warm. So there's, uh, there's no complaints on the climate front up here at the moment. <laughs> I'm How you guys? Well, How's London? London's actually been beautiful. Um, you know, we're like, it's really ironic during isolation. We're having, I'm not kidding, the nicest spring I remember ever having in the history yeah. of living in London. Um, but it's good it's raising spirits and I'm glad for it um, but just you know diving diving right in I wanted to ask everybody um, you know we're we're so excited to have your brand there on Rev and I'm super excited to talk to you about sort of you know how how this is a really wonderful plant-based line and some things about wellness and nutrition and all that but first of all for those who kind of aren't so familiar will you just um, can you just give us a bit of your background and explain a little bit about how you came to start a wellness line? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, just the preface, um, the conversation by everything that uh, you guys stand for. We're really excited to be working closely with you. But yeah, the, the concept for Bear, um, I think was subconsciously really influenced by our, our family histories as well. On my side, my grandparents were kind of doctors, medical professionals and, and compounding pharmacy, um, compounding chemists. And on Sasha's side, she, um, before it was even a thing, her grandparents were kind of living this biodynamic, organic kind of lifestyle, very circular lifestyle where they were growing their vegetables, you know, reusing and repurposing everything that they came in contact with. And I think it was really the, the you know, subconsciously, because I don't think we, we proactively thought of that at the time, but... I think it was those two influences that kind of brought the bear philosophy, which was always about bringing the best of modern medicine, nutritional science and nature together. And it wasn't until I was working at Mercedes Benz for about six years in kind of my early twenties um, in the marketing and strategy team. And Sash was working really closely with the fashion industry and the creative industries that we kind of stumbled into a, a discount chemist in Melbourne five years ago. And we were just totally overwhelmed. I think it was the first time we'd really looked objectively at what supplements had become. And it was, we were standing in the aisle and it was like a tidal wave, Cora, of just complexity and confusion and, you know, these incredibly garish um, containers. And when we kind of spoke to some of the staff and really evaluated some of the ingredients, we were just, you know, pretty shocked and walked out with nothing. And I think it was all of those forces that then led us to say, hey, if we're investing in quality skincare, um, we're investing in quality products for, you know, other elements of our lifestyle, why are we not being spoken to for the same quality expectations, the same commitment to sustainability uh, in the health and wellness space? And that really led us on a journey of discovery and, and research. And I think it went from something we would love to create to something we needed to create, you know, when we really uncovered, I guess, the tactics that were at play by a number of large and even small supplement and wellness providers that I think really play on the confusion that exists largely to an uneducated audience in the health and wellness space. And, you know, we sought to really clarify and simplify that for our audience. So, um, which kind of, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that, I'm sorry, I just wanted to break in because I think that's like, you know, you've actually already gotten kind of to the heart of something that I really wanted to speak about was this idea of like playing on the confusion of of the consumer because it is insane. You know, you you go on any website, on any pharmacy, like in, you know, even in food stores now, there's aisles committed to supplements, vitamins, things like that. Um and do you think so having worked in marketing do you think that a lot of this is just been a marketing ploy or do you think there's any nutritional value there or like what would you say to that well i think one of our initial insights cora was kind of around the multivitamin and i think if you turned around most multivitamins that exist in a chemist or supermarket even a health food store you know there's usually 40 to 50 even sometimes more ingredients in those products and that led us to discover this concept of bulking, which is this kind of, I think it's really targeted towards societal, this societal need that more is better and more is worth paying more as well. And I think that that definitely plays into the ingredient listings on most products. You know, people want to see long lists of ingredients, but what the science actually says is the opposite, that the more ingredients you have, the less therapeutic those ingredients can be and the less benefit you're going to be getting from those ingredients. And when we kind of discovered that concept that for most, most of the big multivitamins that existed in, in Australia at that time were largely sub-therapeutic. So to your point about the effectiveness of them, there was really no scientific grounding to say these ingredients are doing exactly what you think they're going to be doing. But the consumer who kind of trusts what they're being told um, feels like they're getting everything. You know, the ingredient listing says they're getting everything from vitamin A to, to zinc and everything in between but in actual fact they're getting nothing of you know scientific nutritional value and i think that that's something that that absolutely has been delivered to from a marketing standpoint and we sought to clarify and that's why our multivitamins or our essential daily vitamins as we call them every single ingredient is at a therapeutic level so that's why we only have on average you know eight to twelve ingredients in them but they're all working synergistically to provide the benefit and claims that we want our customers to be getting from them. Yeah. So in terms of, of going back to that question, then is there no sort of regulation about these things? Cause you know, you it, vitamins and supplements and things like that. It's always been a weird one to me because they're not like medicine, you know, they're not, they're not kind of put in the same bracket as if you wanted to roll out a new vaccine or something like that. But you know, people are taking these things every day. And how is it that there's no kind of regulation or, or governing body that's looking out to say, you know, this actually doesn't have that much vitamin A in it, or, you know, you're being lied to as a consumer. Is there just no body that's really in charge of that for vitamins and supplements and things? Well, I think the regulatory lens has really been focused on the safety and the stability of ingredients as opposed to the effectiveness of them. And that's something we've been pushing with our, the TGA in Australia to really, I think, uplift you know, the benchmark standard for, for what regulatory environment should look like. But absolutely, the focus has definitely been on, is this product safe? You know, is it going to cause harm to people? Yeah. And if yes, you know, it's really a green light to market. And most markets around the world operate under what they call a post-market approval process. So you can actually launch a product, put some ingredients together in your, your kitchen, and effectively start selling it and you're subjected to a post-market approval which could happen a month a year two years down the track and 
I've always been very strong personally, Sash the same and the Bear brand more broadly in terms of we need those barriers at the start, I think, to prevent some of these, um, yeah, some of these kind of smaller brands from creating what are quite dangerous formulas that can be damaging to to the category more broadly because I think it's these small adverse reactions that, that can cause a lot of distrust within the, the community towards supplements particularly. But I think there was always a sentiment towards supplements that it was a little bit of a dirty category because, you know, you people have had a view that you could be basically excreting what you're taking. And that definitely plays into if you're consuming large numbers of subtherapeutic ingredients that are hard for the body to absorb. And that's, that is unfortunately a case of what some people would be buying in a chemist and a supermarket. And, and like I said, even a health food store. So I think it's about, you know, how do we build trust around brands and products? And that's been something we've worked really hard to, to do at Bear is that people that are buying in our community who are really intelligent, well-traveled, well-read, you know, highly discerning, you know, those customers can come to Bear with the trust and knowledge that we've done everything, not only to the stability and regulatory standards around safety, but that the, the ingredients are going to be supporting their lifestyle in the way that we've described them. Yeah. And we'll get, we'll get more into the ingredient side of things. I'm excited about that, but I just wanted to also kind of say, you know, kind of as, as I asked about the wellness and that influence on, on your life and throughout your life, the same kind of goes to me with environment and sustainability. So I feel like now, you know, it's so interesting to me that people are even starting brands that don't have sustainability at the heart of what they do. Um, but shockingly, there are lots that are. So have, you know, has this kind of always been something that's been at the forefront of your mind? Have you always been somebody that was more sustainably minded? Or would you say starting your own business was something that, you know, elevated that for you and, and really like came more alive? Yeah, it's, it's such a great question. I think, again, subconsciously, Sash and I, it was a virtue of the values of our, our parents, I think. We were always really conscious of it, but not necessarily at the time. I think that's something we've kind of retrospectively looked at. But I think it was really when I was, I was completing my MBA between Melbourne Business School and the University of St. Gallen in Switzerland. And I was lucky enough to do some work for the World Economic Forum at that time, who... For those aren't, who aren't aware of what they do, they're kind of, you know, if the, the United Nations support and bring together politicians and policymakers to solve public challenges, the World Economic Forum aimed to bring together private companies and private stakeholders to, I guess, use their success and the platforms of their businesses to help solve those same problems. And I think that that was when it really resonated to me that a business can and should be a platform to not only deliver a great product or a great service, but also in doing that, create a great platform to then support the community, look after staff, look after the environment. And, you know, I think that that's when we were building Bear and designing Bear, we wanted it to be a global wellness brand, but we wanted it to, to not only make our customers healthier and our communities healthier, but to, to leave, I guess, the planet in a little bit of a stronger place and a more inclusive economy than it, than it existed beforehand. And um, that's something that's definitely been, been at the forefront of the brand from before we launched. And I, I think to your comment, Corey, there's a lot of brands that don't have sustainability at the core anymore but, or at the start, but there's some that kind of have this philosophy or I'll launch and then I'll look at being a good company and, you know, and giving back in a year's time or two years' time when I'm successful. But I think what Sasha and I are really proud of with Bear is, you know, the, the investments that we've made into community and conservation particularly uh, were, were before we'd even launched. 
and those partnerships that we have with Wild Ark, which is a, a conservation, a land conservation uh, organisation that do some incredible work across Alaska and Papua New Guinea and parts of Africa, and also the Great Barrier Reef Foundation. Um, but th both of those partnerships were on board with Bear before we launched, which was really exciting. And to be kind of growing in line with them and supporting their initiatives is something that we're really proud of. So that brings me on to a question I really like, I really want people to be more aware of. And I was so excited when I saw that this was the case for you guys. So you're, you're certified B Corps, which for, for those of those of us who don't know, could you explain a little bit more about what that means and what that process was like and why it was so important to you? You know, cause I don't really know if there is another, you know, kind of supplement wellness line that is certified B Corps. So I think this is really, really interesting and a point that I want to make as being something that, you know, if you can, is a great thing to obtain. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, it's such a hard thing to obtain as well. Yeah. yeah, as I'm sure you're familiar with, it's uh, which is which is one of its absolute strengths. But uh, B Corp is basically an independent business, ethical business, and sustainable business verification. And that body sits globally, but they have in each market, I guess, a, a local B Corp, which basically go in and review and audit businesses to a very exacting, very high ethical and sustainable standard. And for us personally, that was an 18-month process where we were basically yeah, audited and reviewed from everything from are our suppliers, you know, looking after their staff properly, how do they use energy and resources through to obviously our packaging and um, our, our own uh, investments in people and culture. So it's an incredibly, I think, proud achievement for us to have achieved it, knowing how hard it is. And I think as well, we're now at a point globally where I think there's just over two and a half thousand certified B Corps. So the message I think from consumers is starting to be understood that if, if you are a B Corp, you represent, you know, a really high standard of quality and everything that the business stands for. And to your point, I think the more people that can become familiar with the, the platform and base their shopping habits, you know, around who are B Corps, you know, we're going to build a really strong economy that is sustainable and ethically sound. So, yeah, I, I would encourage every business that has a sustainability message or a, a sustainability commitment to really explore becoming a B Corp. And even if that journey takes a long time, it'll make you a better business throughout the process. And I think that that's really important as well. Yeah, I mean, like, and with B Corp, do you have people that are kind of like, holding your hand through the process and being like, okay, you know, you can do this a little bit better or, you know, we want exactly. you to align with this. Because like, how did you guys get into, you know, these amazing kind of conservation, conservation movements, you know, like how did you end up working in Alaska or supporting initiatives like in Alaska as well as, you know, the Great Barrier Reef? Yeah, well, and absolutely. So to answer your first question, you have basically a dedicated B Corp um, representative to, so they are kind of like, like you said, they're kind of holding uh, your hand through the process and articulating what best practice looks like. And I think that that's really important as well for new businesses, right? That there's so much learning that's been done by big businesses that needs and should be shared um, around becoming an ethical and sustainably minded company. So we found that really valuable and to kind of be building the brand from that foundation, I think was, was really strong. I think sometimes it's really hard to, to go back and become sustainable. Yeah. So I think um, that would be my advice to all 
all brands is to be thinking about it as early as possible. And then the second question around, you know, our commitments to those, those movements, they were both um, organisations that we just had a personal affinity to before we launched Bear. And we looked at the Great Barrier Reef Foundation as they not only look after the, the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, but they also do a lot of consulting work with reefs around the world, which is really important for obviously ocean um, sustainability. And then Wild Ark is, is, became a personal friendship between the two founders of Wild Ark who are now actually based in Byron Bay as well. But they, they were doing some incredible work. And I think the name Bear, um, we were always attracted to the work that they were doing in Alaska around the grizzly and, and black bears. And, um, you know, they're doing some incredible work specifically around purchasing land belts and placing them into trusts where they can't be developed or uh, deforest or hunted upon uh, into perpetuity and basically protecting those land belts, which is an incredible and huge, you know, project of work but for bear and our customers to be contributing to that in a small and, and ongoing way i think is really powerful and so that's where the name came from yeah a little bit it's definitely speaking to our love of of animals and particularly the bear but um the grizzly bear before actually climate change because i i heard some some new data about grizzly bears recently and now not going into hibernation because it's so warm throughout the year but before I guess the, the global warming that's going on occurred, grizzly bears were incredible at managing their health. They would basically prepare for winter uh, proactively and then go into hibernation to kind of prepare for summer. And we always wanted Bear, the brand, to be reflective of that, that people, instead of looking at health and wellness as something you do, um, you know, reactively, when you're not feeling 100%, we want you to be looking at it proactively. What are some small but significant things you can do every day to build and sustain a strong foundation of health yeah well and it, it's never seemed more timely to be yeah, exactly. <laughs> that and building up your immune system which is why i wanted to have this conversation with you so much um so then getting into to bear itself so i'd love for people who aren't so familiar with the brand for you to talk a little bit about you know the ingredients and the formulations and you know, there, there are some things in there. I've started taking the Explore vitamins. I'm feeling great. Um, but you. You know, <laughs> how, did you, how did you kind of decide what was going to go in there and, and who did you work with to make those decisions? Yeah, well, after we had that initial, I guess, concept where we walked out of that chemist that day, we, we literally started that process of research and discovery and we put together an international product team okay. which comprised... Uh, about 10 medical professionals, chemists, microbiologists, naturopaths to really, I guess, augment the best of, you know, scientific research, medical research and new ingredient research. And, uh, but in Australia, but also in Switzerland. So we had this kind of global but local view of, you know, what was happening in the industry at the moment and really auditing every ingredient and every product that, uh, that currently existed. And then we spent two years with that team, uh, then looking at, you know, if we did create something, what would that look like and, and what were the ingredients? And, and even then when we started looking at ingredients, who were the farmers, who were the partners that we could, we could source those ingredients from? And that was an incredibly rewarding process, an extremely long process, but I think that that also speaks to, you know, our fascination has always been with the ingredients themselves and how we can kind of bring the best of those ingredients together to have a really positive effect on the wellness journeys of our community. 
And that culminated in a number of products, but the two we initially launched was our two essential daily vitamins. And they were basically built around being a superior multivitamin that I spoke about before, but where most multivitamins are tailored towards specific genders, you know, there's mostly a a women's and a a men's multi, which is entirely marketing. Um, Basically at that point, they're saying that men and women need different foods, which we all know is, is ridiculous. Uh, ours are tailored to, to, to your lifestyle. So your lifestyle, how you spend your days and weekends, and if you have kids or not, that's really dictating what you need support in from a nutritional science perspective. And like I said, we launched two products. Our first one was Perform, which was really targeted to, I guess, people that spend the majority of their day you know, at a desk. If you think about your work life, you know, you're at a desk in a corporate environment, or you might be a student studying, but you have high intellectual and cognitive demands. You might have some mild stress and anxiety. You know, your eyes are, are pretty stressed by looking through a blue screen or a blue light most of the day. So building a product that really supported them. And there's about 12 ingredients in, in, our, in our essential daily vitamins on average. But the two heroes for Perform are Bacopa and vitamin B12. And B12 is an incredible ingredient. And we source ours... Um, called methocobalamin, which is the most activated and therefore most easily absorbed version of B12. And yeah, we get some amazing feedback from Perform just in terms of short-term memory function, um, nootropic performance, and just being clear, I guess, that natural form of energy. And Explore is kind of the, the opposite of Perform in that if you spend a lot of your time you know, on your feet every day, you have a high energy and musculoskeletal demands, um, you know, Explore is really good for skin health as well. And, you know, vitamin C and rhodiola are our two hero ingredients in, in that particular product. And I'm really proud. I think rhodiola is probably one of my favorite ingredients because it's actually what uh, the, the early climbers of Mount Everest used to take really? uh, before they were kind of synthetic ingredients and synthetic um, antibiotics that people could take when they were climbing high altitudes they'd actually take rhodiola so it's incredible for the body's circulatory system the muscle system Uh, it's incredible for recovery and i think it speaks as well to how far we go to source our ingredients because all of our all of our products are made in australia to the exact um and world-class tga standards which is the regulatory body that i spoke about here before in terms of manufacturing but we source the world for the best possible plant-based and botanical ingredients. And our rhodiola, as an example, comes from uh, a certified organic family-run farm uh, in the Himalayas. And they basically harvest their, their crops at 3,000 feet. And the air quality is so pure on this farm that it's classified as the third pole behind the North and South Poles. And not only that, the plants are exposed to such extremities in terms of the heat during the day and the cold during the night that the bioavailability of the plants on this farm is you know, superior to anything else that we could find. So I think that that kind of speaks to that we have a local production mentality, but we, we really do search the world for the best possible partners. And there's some incredible local family-run farms that are, are creating some great, great ingredients that we work with daily. And then we kind of launched into super powders and we have two super powders both of which are single origin. So we only have one ingredient in both of these powders. And that's probably, that, that's quite unique, Cora, and I'm sure you've probably seen this, but powders particularly are rife with this concept of bulking. And most powders will have 20, 30, 40 ingredients in them. But that really speaks to a lack of confidence in each of those ingredients. 
And like I said, we have one ingredient uh, in our nourish powder, which is a, from the ladyfinger banana. And we've isolated an ingredient within the banana called um, resistant starch. And resistant starch is incredible for the digestive system. It basically resists digestion, reaches the colon where it feeds the good bacteria in our guts. Um, it's incredible for immune health, obviously digestive health, and it has an incredible effect on the skin. And yeah, we're so proud of that story as well, because initially the bananas from this particular banana farmer were basically getting wasted. They were getting sent back from our two big supermarkets in Australia because they were too big or too small or the wrong shape. And instead of them going to waste, he basically developed the technology to isolate and extract the resistant starch from the green ladyfinger banana. And it's been an incredibly beneficial ingredient now for our community. Our second essential daily super powder is our repair hemp seed protein. And there's obviously a lot of interest in protein powders, I think more generally, but our hemp comes from Tasmania, which is the southernmost point of Australia. And it's incredible, obviously, protein for energy, muscle health, bone health, joint health. But what a lot of people don't know about hemp is that it's also incredible for the immune system and the skin. Um, it's so nutritionally balanced and complete hemp that you could live off hemp seeds and water for the rest of your life, which is uh, maybe something we should all trial in isolation, maybe. <laughs> See how we go. Crazy. It'd be incredibly boring, I think. <laughs> but, um, but I think it speaks to just the nutritional balance of, of hemp seed and hemp seed protein more broadly. And then more recently, Cora, we've, we've launched obviously our two skincare, natural skincare products, being Wonder, which is a luxury face oil, and Harmony, which is a luxury face mist, both of which kind of play off the prickly pear seed oil, uh, which we harvest from an EcoCert organic farm in Northern Africa, in Tunisia, bordering the Mediterranean there. And both of those products are incredible for kind of microcirculation, uh, promoting a system of self-repair, brightening the skin, hydrating the skin. So, you know, we only have six products there, but again, it's this less is more mentality and kind of taking our beauty and wellness routines back to what is the, the fewest amount but most sustainable steps that we can do every day to, to build a positive foundation of health. Yeah, I think, and that, that leads me on to my next question perfectly because I did want to just talk about the beauty side of things really quickly. So I was having a little... Um, Snoop Brown, The Bear Journal, and I came across um, a statistic that, you know, I kind of, I kind of knew, but, you know, I think it's incredibly important. So I'm going to read it out. Um, so from you guys, it is estimated that by the time a woman leaves her home each morning, she has been exposed to over 168 synthetic chemicals. She has bathed in them, applied them, consumed them, sprayed them on and breathed them in. So this is this is really shocking to me, and I you know I don't think it's actually hard to fathom when you think about all of the things that we have been sold, particularly as women, you know, our makeup, our uh, tanning spray, you know, like whatever that we've been sold. So how are you guys addressing these skincare routines and and addressing this idea of sort of like cleaning up our skincare line? Like I love that you just have the two products. Um, you know, and, and for you coming from a marketing background, how do, how, do you, how do you speak to women that have been sold the fact that we need to put 168 chemicals on our bodies in order to be beautiful, I guess? Is that, I guess that's what we're going it's, for here. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, I think, it's, I think that's a conservative figure as well. There's some other research 
that's recently come out where the figure's kind of 300 or, or above. So, I've, but even at 168, right, it's, it's, it's concerning, I think, when you break it down like that. But I think it speaks to what we were talking about earlier, that really in the beauty and wellness categories, and they are regulated differently by, by usually different bodies within the same overarching body, but I think there's a lack of regulation around the ingredients themselves, particularly in skincare. And when we were starting to explore what topical wellness or skincare um, should or could look like, we were just shocked by the amount of hazardous, what they're called as hazardous ingredients that might be banned in one country, but then are sold in another that are proven toxic or proven carcinogens um, in brands that we had used in the past. Like we were, we were very shocked. And, you know, there's some very prominent brands that, that use things like PEGs or GMOs or sulfates, even synthetic fragrances. You know, there's, there's a lot of data around them now saying about how bad they are for the skin. So I guess when we started to kind of research and discover with our product team, you know, what was out there, what was dangerous, we just said we need to shift the, the mindset towards a, a less is more routine. And this concept of having 10 or 12 steps in your skin, skin, skincare routine is, is incredibly crazy, you know. And I think as well, at one point, um, you know, a few years ago, Sasha was having some, some challenges with her skin and all the advice she was getting was, oh, you should add this product or add this ingredient to your routine. And what we all need to do is actually the opposite is go back to, to zero, take everything off your skin, give it a chance to breathe for two weeks, let the natural oils re, realign themselves and then slowly build up with this kind of less is more but quality, highly therapeutic ingredients. And that's effectively what the bare philosophy towards skincare has and, and will always be. It's not about creating these elaborate routines, but it's about less highly therapeutic highly bioavailable and highly activated ingredients that that work with and synergistically with the skin to to provide its best um yeah its best possible chance of performance so that's that's something that we've become really passionate about because it was kind of a philosophy we took towards wellness and we're now applying it to skincare yeah um but I, I would just encourage everyone, particularly in isolation, I think there's no better time to really deconstruct your skin skincare routine and take everything out of it and then allow your body to kind of step it back up. But always, I think, and this is something Sasha is very, very passionate about, is become educated on the ingredients. Again, there's no better time to really explore what a PEG is. And if you're turning around your moisturizer and it's got PEGs in it, you probably won't be using that anymore. So... I think there's something really powerful in this time as well, despite the challenges of the pandemic. I think we can also use it to really educate ourselves on what we are inhaling, what we are putting on our skin, what we are ingesting, and hopefully move forward, you know, really empowered to support brands that are doing the right thing once it's yeah. over. That's what I keep, you know, we talk about that a lot at Rev right now. It, now is the perfect time to to educate yourself and, and learn about which companies you want to support going forward. And, you know, so having kind of covered women, something that I did want to pick up on. And again, uh, on your journal, you did a little piece on this that I really enjoyed about the kind of myth of protein powders. And I feel like I have so many men in my life that I see taking protein powder and I I've never done it but I you know it's suspect to me it's always been a little bit suspect um 
I just, you know, if you're, if you're going to the gym and you're eating well, why do you need a protein powder? But at the same time, I think again, with the marketing, I think a lot of people think now that they can't work out without protein powder or they can't get the results they want without protein powder. But can you speak a little bit to that side of things and, and, and your take on it? Yeah, well, I think even when we were growing up, there was this perception that protein was something that you took if you were kind of bodybuilding or, you know, you were lifting really heavy weights in the gym. And, it, and I think that that perception has has changed. And I think hopefully there is helping to change that because we have, as I said earlier, a, a plant-based hemp protein, which um, is incredible in so many ways. But what the biggest concern that we have with the protein industry or category is the use of whey, which is often the, the hero ingredient in protein powders. And whey, for, for people that aren't familiar, is basically a byproduct of dairy production. Um, it's extremely high in lactose, which a lot of people are, are allergic to or have an allergy to. Um, it's really sour if you taste it unflavored to the point of being inedible, like you would never eat whey on its own. And so that kind of led the industry to create these whey protein powders that then need these huge amounts of artificial flavors and colorings to kind of offset the sour taste and the lactose that, that exists within it. And, you know, those, when you're seeing a product that has kind of flavorings and artificial flavors, that's something you definitely want to stay away from because anything that's artificial, it's taking the body more time to, to deconstruct and, and digest essentially places more stress on the digestive system. Um, but I think beyond just protein powders, there's also this perception of protein in general that, um, you know, we need animal protein to kind of sustain us and, and live us, you know, to, to grow us to be the strongest version of ourselves. But people don't know the science is kale has twice as much protein as a lean piece of beef per calorie, which is incredible. And I don't think people understand that. So when you kind of shift the perception around what is the role of protein in our lives, um it's absolutely to sustain and support our musculoskeletal system but we can do it from a plant-based way that's really light on the digestive system that actually enhances the digestive system not only looks after our muscles bones and joints but in doing so also supports our immune system and our skin health and that was when we discovered the hemp seed protein and the benefits that exist within it and that's why I'm a very big advocate now of people taking protein, that whether you work out or not, protein is a, a great, and particularly a hemp seed plant-based protein is something that can kind of sustain a general foundation of good health and is a very simple thing to add to either your morning cereal, into a smoothie, even a juice, even some of our recipes that are available on the Bear um, Journal are really easy to use with our both our both of our super powders. So yeah, these small but significant changes I think are really important. And to your point, hopefully the perception of protein has changed from it's something men take that are kind of chasing a, a big bulky gain to something that we all take to sustain good health and, and to feel our best. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, okay, last thing from your journal, but another one that I wanna read out because I oddly think that it's so important and this is the question of sort of packaging. And I, I think in the beauty industry, packaging is one of those things, you know, I've always thought like, why is an organic, sustainably made product coming in plastic? And then I read this on your site. Um, 
that every year about 8 million tons of plastic waste escapes into the oceans from coastal nations. Single-use plastics account for 40% of the plastic produced every year, and it's estimated 1 trillion single-use plastic bags are annually produced across the globe. So, you know, I feel like plastic is finally getting the bad rap it deserves, but I also feel like people don't necessarily put you know, their tube of face cream or the things that they see in their kitchen together as being part of this problem. So how have you guys sort of addressed the plastic issue within your own packaging? Yeah, it's a fantastic question because we basically, when we were starting, we were looking at, yeah, the, the options that existed within our vessels. And, and this would happen for any brand so that the community is aware that at some point through your product design process, you get presented with how do you want to package this product? And there's usually two options. There's a plastic option and there's a glass option. And the glass option is usually double or triple or four times the price of, of the plastic option. And we were just so adamant that sustainability and the ability to infinitely recycle glass um, was such an important part of the bear story. And, and it was, you know, there was no... Um, discussion around would we ever not produce our products in glass but that's something that we need to hold other brands to account for because that was purely a commercial decision at that point in their process where they just decided to save as much money as possible we use what what is called a medical grade amber glass jar which is recycled and it's a hundred percent recyclable so you can basically infinitely recycle our glass but the amber glass is really important for another plays another really important role around the stability and protects UV light from entering the product, um, which is really important for maintaining the activation of each ingredient that exists within your products. One thing that's really concerning, not only from a sustainability point of view with plastic containers and vessels, is that there is now a lot of science and data around what's called chemical leaching. And you might've read about that, Cora, on our wisdom piece on plastics, that Basically, products will get tested if they've become contaminated at the day or the, the time they're manufactured. But what happens in plastic containers over 18 to 24 months is the chemicals from those containers slowly leach into the products themselves over time. And what's currently not happening is they're not being retested during that time to say, has this, this product become contaminated? But that is something that happens. So not only is it wildly unsustainable, and a wildly selfish decision to, to invest in plastic packaging, it's also potentially really damaging to our health. And so people that are consuming health products from plastic containers think they're doing the right thing by consuming something that's good for them, but in actual fact could be doing the, the exact opposite. So, you know, there's always going to be a role for plastic in society and perhaps even more with the pandemic, I think around hygiene that that it's going to play a role going forward. But I think if there are ways and small ways that you can make slight adjustments to brands that you're buying and products that you're buying that don't use plastic, that are using glass, that are investing in, in those more sustainable practices, I definitely think it's worth doing. And I think there's just some, some little things that we're trying to do even locally that, you know, we go to the farmer's market on, on a Saturday and we bring our own canvas bag you know, we don't use coffee cups. We've never used straws effectively. We have a water bottle. So there's a lot of very small daily choices that we can make that support, you know, a more sustainable future. Yeah. But we can also kind of vote with our wallets. And I think that that's the message of B Corp as well. They want people to vote every day 
with their wallets, with their buying decisions about what future you want for the planet. And if it's a certified B Corp, if they're using glass packaging, you know, that's a worthy investment. Well, agreed. Um, so now just going on a little bit to the personal side of things before we wrap up, I, you know, I haven't actually spoken to anybody in person since the, the wildfires that happened in Australia earlier this year. And, you know, I think with this pandemic going on and climate change, you know, well, I feel like climate change has actually kind of been pushed to the back, rightly so in a lot of ways, but it was something I wanted to touch upon was, you know, how, how did you guys feel when those kind of fires were going on? And do you feel like there's been any momentum in Australia post that to, to really address this idea of global warming? Or do you think it's sort of just been a flash in the pan? How, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I think it's almost too soon to tell, um, Cora. I think, when we were in it, it was kind of extremely, it was, I think, terrifying for everyone. You know, we live actually in what, what's considered a rural part of Australia, um, in the hinterland behind Byron Bay. And, you know, there were fires, big fires, not far, you know, literally a 20-minute, half-an-hour drive from, from where we live. So I think when you really stop and reflect that something you take for granted every day, like having a house that is safe, like being able to breathe air, that's not kind of contaminated with smoke to be able to see clearly um, to the horizon. You know, those things that we've taken for granted, I think really did cause people to reflect. And it was actually an incredible time in Australia because I think we really rallied around each other. We have an amazing volunteer network, um, brands and people and communities really supported one another. And I think we'll continue to do so, but I think we're hopeful that we can start to see the connectedness that, you know, the, the wildfires in California the year before, the fires in Australia this year, the volcano eruptions in New Zealand, even I think there was a locust plague in, in Africa towards the end of last year. You know, these, these events, which were previously kind of considered extreme or once in a decade, are now happening every few months. And I think we're starting to see and draw the connection to climate change and the broader topic of global warming, because I think it's fantastic we are really dedicated to microplastics and the concept of plastic, you know, that's become our focus, but, you know, we need to really explore global warming more broadly and that's greenhouse gases, obviously. So anything we can do to kind of offset our carbon footprints, um, Bear is actually carbon neutral or on track to be carbon neutral by June 30 this year. We want to be carbon positive from 2021 and onwards. You know, these are the commitments we need from every brand, regardless of size, but particularly the big, the big players that exist that can make large and meaningful impacts on the on the planet but um yeah i think to answer your original question it's a bit bit too soon to tell but hopefully through the process and then the pandemic you know we've learned a lot throughout the process and you know we come outside that are better more connected and, and more a, a community more in tune with the climate yeah and I know that you've just become a new father. Do you feel, well, first of all, congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and secondly, you know, I think a lot of people on Rev are, are recent parents. And how do you feel like having a, a son now? Has, has it changed your outlook on the environment? Do you feel like it's a more pressing topic? Or is it, is it kind of business as usual for you guys? I think for us, because we've been so invested in climate change and sustainable practice and ethically minded for so long now. I, I don't think it's changed, I think, how we view those topics. But 
I mean, we've always loved this quote by Chief Seattle, which I, I think it goes along the lines of, um, you know, we don't inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. And I think, I think that when you, you become a, a father or a mother, that definitely rings true. I think it provides this focus point for probably something that you used to just believe in and feel passionate about. But now there's a, a real attachment and meaning to what we're doing. Um, so I think it's definitely be it being more cognizant of and in tune with what's important in our lives. I think sustainability and the environment is definitely one of those things, but it's also for us about, you know, I think being more present, you know, having a great social network between our family and our friends and, um, you know, being really conscious in our decisions. I think those are the things that we're becoming more cognizant of. I think not taking things for granted, you know, like being able to go for a run on a beautiful day uh, in the sunshine. You know, these are the things that are are important, and and hopefully we um, we cherish them for what they are into the future. Yeah, well, that's, that's a really lovely answer. Um, and then second to last question. So when I look at you and Sasha on Instagram, you guys seem so calm and it seems so lovely. And you know, I I feel like a lot of people right now, given that we're in a pandemic. Um, you know, and given that this podcast is really kind of centered around wellness, how how are you guys kind of maintaining a sense of normalcy? How are you taking care of yourselves? And, you know, and how are you kind of making sure that anxiety isn't too much a part of your day to day? Yeah, I think it's so pertinent at the moment, isn't it? I, I think for us, again, similar to, to the last question, I think it's just been about it's almost stopping ourselves to look at from, from our perspective, we're so lucky about the things that we do have. And, you know, I think you, you just have to turn on the news one night to see how hard this pandemic is hitting people. And, for, to, you know, if you reflected to be in those positions, you know, what you would be thinking and feeling. So I think, you know, just by virtue of sitting and being able to work from your living room is in and of itself something we, we should be grateful for. And But not only that, I think it's like I was saying before, there's some very simple things like for us we we're very lucky to live close to the beach you know we have quite a big fresh air um pocket where we live it's a warm climate as i said earlier and and we've just had a, a new sun so i you know those are the things that are keeping us grounded and and calm i think and and i think those things everyone has their version of those things right that they can really lean back on and i think we just need to and i i think there's some good humor probably some time on tiktok might be able to um <laughs> <laughs> might be able to give you some some laughs that you need but I also just think it's probably more about as well redefining what success or wellness looks for you you know now and, and going forward because I think Ariana Huffington defines it really beautifully that as a society we've done it in the past it's been about money and wealth and being busy and power and a new job but I think if there's one thing this pandemic is hopefully teaching us is that none of those things actually mean anything and it's really about, you know, wellness is our greatest luxury. It's, it's physical wellness, it's mental wellness, spiritual wellness, it's, it's social wellness, as I said before, you know, sometimes just having a glass of wine and some great conversation with your partner is, is as good for our health and well-being than, than going for a 10-kilometre run. So I think, you know, take, take those things uh, into consideration. I think Sasha and I, you know, we're taking our Explore Vitamins every day. We're, 
taking both of our powders and, and both of our skincare products. So there's still some, some products that can kind of connect us to, to feeling a little bit more present and a little bit more grounded. And, and they're definitely the, the bare products that we use. That's great. Okay. So final question, and it's what I'm asking everybody now, you know, I, and we talked about it a little bit before, but you know, I feel like you and I are very much on the same page and we're thinking that, you know, it's a great time to reflect and pause and, you know, we're lucky enough to not be on the front line. You know, I'm not doing the job of a nurse or a doctor right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I literally look at those people and I think how, incredible I could never do that um the big, you know the biggest thing I need to do is is sit and be reflective and think about what I'm going to do on the other side of this pandemic to make sure that the things that I've come to appreciate in this moment like the fact that London is not polluted and that animals have been able to make a resurgence and wildlife is coming back just by default of us all staying in our homes um you know so what what is the change in the world that you feel like you'd really like to see and what's something that you feel like you could do on the other side of this to maybe execute that to some degree well i think it speaks to the last question as well i think i i would love everyone to view their their health and well-being as as our greatest luxury and i think we've definitely seen that shift over the last few years as to something we say but I still don't think it's something we, you know, support and, and do and behave in a way that supports that. So I think I would really love people to, to really invest in their wellness, you know, journey in a proactive way and not wait till they're feeling run down or sick in the future for it to become something they care about. So I think that that's something we can all do. And there's very simple steps from whether it's drinking a little bit more water every day, you know, going for a walk, investing in quality products that can support your specific lifestyle. But I think there's one that Sasha and I were talking about more broadly. And I, I think, and I hope, I feel like we've lived in this kind of age of entrepreneurship in the last kind of five years, but particularly the last two years that everyone that we talk to wants to kind of start a business, start a new brand. And I think they're all worthy pursuits, but what I would hope is that we're moving towards more meaningful work. And it's not about starting a brand or a business because you want to, you know, the only reason being you want to be your own boss or you want to call yourself an entrepreneur, but it's because you're doing something that you genuinely can't live without doing and that you feel there is value to not only you, but the community that you would deliver that product or service to. And I think that that, you know, this concept of just start becomes actually, I want to work on something meaningful and maybe I can't create that myself, but I want to go and work with someone who's already doing meaningful work in that space and help them create the most meaningful version of, of what they're creating. And I think that that leads us to a more sustainable future, right? We were having a conversation with a manufacturer um, when we started and their whole philosophy, their whole business model was built on single orders. They were basically getting a lot of new brands to come to them and they would place a single order and they knew that brand was probably not going to place a second order and that brand would kind of just go off into the ether and, and that was their model. And I don't think that that's a sustainable way of building, you know, the economy going forward. We want brands and businesses that have 10, 20 year visions and goals that are invested in their people, in their sustainability and ethical practices. And I think that hopefully if that's one thing we can take away from this process is, um, you know, I don't need to do that myself. There's people that are doing great work and I want to support them doing that or, 
there is something that I want to create and, and I'll create the best version of that and I'm invested in the next 10 to 20 years in building it. I think that that mindset will hopefully take us to a place where we're not just wasting resources on this kind of constant churn of newness and new brands and products just for the sake of it. You know, does the world really need what I want to create and deliver? And if not, maybe it's, it's just not my time at this point to, to do that. Yeah. That, that is an amazing and wonderful answer to end on. So thank you so much, Sam. And, you know, take care and stay well. I'm, well, I'm sure you guys will stay well, but, you know. Well, you too. Yeah, you too, Cora. It's been lovely to chat. Too. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. And I hope to speak to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Cora. Bye.